Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Phoenix, Arizona, it's time for Phoenix Business Radio, spotlighting the city's best businesses and the people who lead them. Welcome to 3C Amplified. I'm your host, Jacqueline DeStremps, here to highlight the businesses, nonprofits, and individuals collaborating to amplify their impact in the community. This series is sponsored by Another Hand Advantage, where we create marketing strategies for community-minded small businesses and nonprofits that fit your schedule and your budget while making your brand stand out in front of your audience. Joining me in the studio today, I have Blake Blackman-Woody, Director of Development with Gabriel's Angels, and Daniel Burrell, Director of Marketing at AZ Pet Vet. Welcome. Hello. Thank you for having us. Yeah, definitely. I know I sound like a broken record. Because anytime I'm always saying, I'm so excited to have these two in a studio, but I truly am. I am so lucky that I, you know, have this opportunity to bring in nonprofits and even sometimes businesses that I haven't had a chance to meet before, but I always kind of feel like I somehow have a connection to them. So Gabriel's Angels I've actually known about for many years. Um, years ago, I worked for a women's shelter, um, and one of the pet therapy teams actually came in and um, met with the children while I was there. So I was there for about eight years, and I think we had um, two pet therapy terms during that time. And so I've actually known about Gabriel's Angels for a really long time, so I'm excited to be able to kind of put that um, spotlight on you today, Blake, so you can tell us even more. Um, about Gabriel's Angels, and everybody can kind of hear about the wonderful things that you guys are doing in the community. Absolutely. Yeah. So Gabriel's Angels has been around for 19 years. Um, We're kind of a best-known secret within the community. So what we do is we um, have pet therapy teams go to 122 of our partner agencies. So that can be a foster uh, program, Boys and Girls Club, a Title I school. We have a wide range of facilities. And those therapy teams go in and do programs that work with those children. And we see children everything from itty-bitties, I mean, up to newborns, generally it's, you know, two or three, mm-hmm. um, all the way up to the age of 18. And uh, our agency works with them for core behaviors, trust, affiliation, empathy, things along those lines through structured activities. Yeah. And um, so one of my very first memories, actually, of uh, Gabriel's Angels was when I was working in that shelter. Um, it was um, for women and, ch- and children. And the kids just, oh my gosh, just went bonkers when they knew it was the night that the dog came. There would actually be times where the women weren't participating in whatever program we were doing. So technically they weren't supposed to get childcare that evening. And the kids would beg them, mommy, please go away so that I can be in childcare because <laughs> I yes. want to see the dog. So yeah, so I got to see firsthand what you talked about, kind of building that trust um, with those kids and um, the lear- the learning that went on with that. So. Absolutely. Well, it's unconditional love of a dog. Yeah. Dogs don't care who you are or what you experience. They love just everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, and having having a human and, and programs that help teach other things for those children, right. of course they want to be there. Yeah. It's a fun experience. And they don't have to think about what's happening in their lives. Right. It's just a moment of, of being a kid. Mm-hmm. And a lot of our kids, unfortunately, don't get that opportunity. Yeah. So how very fitting then, Daniel, that we have you in the studio today as well. Um, tell us a little bit about um, yourself and AZ Pet Vet. Uh, my name is Daniel Burrell. Um, I'm the director of marketing with AZ Pet Vet. Um, it's a family of animal hospitals. There's 21 locations around the valley. Um, prior to uh, coming on board with AZ Pet Vet, uh, they were actually my client. I ran a local advertising agency for the last eight years, and they were my largest account. 
Um, so last year, it was a great opportunity to just sort of come in-house and continue growing the brand and, and uh, the evolution of the company. So it was a great opportunity. AZ Pet Pet started about uh, 35 years ago. Mm. Initially, um, our CEO, uh, Dr. Wayne Anderson, um, and a friend of his uh, had an opportunity to realize a dream. And uh, right after veterinary school, started the very first hospital, um, animal hospital, for AZ Pet Vet. It was Arrow Animal Hospital in Glendale. Mm. So it was kind of hometown opportunity, yeah. connect with your roots kind of thing. And over the last 35 years, it's been a slow strategic growth. But uh, we've got locations now across the valley from Buckeye to Anthem, Glendale, Goodyear, Mesa, all over the place. So um, it's been really an amazing journey for, for Dr. Anderson and, uh, uh, and the brand and the business as a whole to really have the opportunity to stay connected to the local roots and, and, and find ways to give back to the community. Yeah, definitely. So also one of the reasons I have you both in here today is because um, when I was actually reached out to Blake at Gabriel's Angels, I said, who would be a really great partner of yours to have in the studio with you to really talk about kind of, you know, the focus of what this show is all about, that collaborating and partnership and how you're amplifying your impact in the community. And so Blake said, you know what, it has to be Daniel from AZ Pet Vet. They're a great partner of ours. So tell us a little bit, either one of you or maybe even from both sides, how that partnership came about. What, obviously, you have pet therapy teams, there's dogs involved, you work for a vet's office, there's dog. we get that part of it. But what made this come together and what makes this such a unique partnership? Uh, so it kind of starts on, on multiple levels. So from, from the ground level, a lot of our pet therapy teams, they're dogs. They need their own veterinary yeah. care. <laughs> so they kind of, there's kind of an organic process of that if they got to know the vets in the local facilities. But from a high-end level, um, Dr. Wayne Anderson has been a friend of the agency for quite a bit of time. And he's part of our steering committee for the, the agency. And so he's given his support in that aspect. And I would say probably, what, two years ago? Some of those lines, we really did a big partnership program. With that, we visited every facility that was almost within reason. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all of them. All of them. <laughs> all of we them. did so many site visits. <laughs> to talk about Gabriel's Angels and mm-hmm. the fact that Easy Pet Vet not only supports us from a top-end level, but also the fact that they are probably servicing our, our, our therapy teams, our volunteers that mm-hmm. do our good work, um, and, and an identification that Easy Pet Vet was giving back to the community, and they were such a big part of it on multiple levels. So that's where it started, and then they've just been a longtime supporter of and friends of the agency. Right. Gabriel's was a, a very much a passion place for Dr. Anderson early on, and it... Uh, you know, like like Blake mentioned, you know, with him being part of the steering committee and whatnot, as as the AZ Pet Vet brand grew and the business grew, took on more locations, more partners, we were able to really look at leveraging the power of the collective whole um, and get our involvement with Gabriel's up to another level um, and, and really find a way to bring that impact and amplify it a little bit. For us and for our brand, our... You know, we're, we're aligned with lots of pet charities or nonprofits that... that directly involve and impact the pets. But the special thing for us about Gabriel's is this focus on the human-animal bond. Right, yeah. That is absolutely the values alignment with our brand. Um, And that was part of the reason that there was no hesitation um, from our partnership about getting involved and finding ways to continue growing the relationship is because there's nobody doing anything like they're doing with with that kind of impact in, in fostering the, you know, the the pet aspect is important, but that bond, especially when it comes to children, right? The human factor. Um, it's incredible what they do with the kids. Yeah. 
And and a part of our agency, um, most everyone thinks that we're a dog agency. Right. And we're not. Right. We're a human services organization that's just child welfare. Mm -hmm. Like That's our focus. We're in advocates when we do our public policy is child welfare. We just so happen to use these cute little dogs (laughs) that just so happen to do that human-animal bond of that pet therapy because animals have the opportunity to lower those barriers of mistrust. And it, it really is, as Daniel said, that that focus. So walk us through maybe what a typical visit might be like for a pet therapy team then. What, you know, what what happens between the pet therapy team, that volunteer and, and the dog and then the children that they're there to visit? It's different. Yeah. <laughs> I wish to say that there is right. a, a set standard. Um, it depends on the agency that they visit and depends on the program that they're working on. What and we'll kind of do the quick rundown from them. Yeah. So we have three programs. We have group, which is about 10 to 15 kids get to visit with a with a dog. Um, we have a individual intervention program. So it's one child, one dog, and, and a uh, child psychologist. And then we have a third program that is our literacy program. It's We call it ABC, or Animal Books and Children. And it's one child with that dog, but it's for 15 minutes. And they visit three children in a row. And it's first through third grade. So group is what we started with. That, mm-hmm. was, that was the origin of our agency. So if it's a school or a boys and girls club, there's consistency in getting getting a relationship with that dog. So they'll come in, they'll say hi, they'll do their introductions, and it's usually as the dog gets petted, does his, his or her rounds, <laughs> and then they start their activity. If it's a crisis nursery or domestic violence shelter, they may see the same kids, they may not. Mm-hmm. Kids may have seen us at other agencies, maybe this is the first time they're getting to see us. So it really depends on what is what is happening with those children, what does the facility need, what is the identification. Now, all of our teams are placed very specifically to that dog and that owner. So some dogs are great with itty-bitties, some dogs prefer the older kids. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they have the energy for the older kids. Yeah. Um, but with with the other has, aspect is the human. Mm-hmm. Well, how does the owner feel? How Do they feel comfortable with, with a bunch of kindergartners right. swamping their dog? <laughs> if their dog's comfortable, maybe they're not. <laughs> so we want to make sure that it's a good match. Right. Um, and then that it, they build a relationship with those kids. They build a relationship with the facility partners. So the teachers, the evaluators, everyone that's a part of it. It's not just, we don't just happen to see kids. We see everyone mm-hmm. because everyone knows it's a day that Gabriel's angels come. Right. Oh, yeah. So our individual intervention program um, is very specific. We are written into a child's IIP plan. So we, it's a 16-week program, and usually these are lockdown facilities. These are facilities that the children cannot be at home because of behaviors or their trauma was so severe. It's intensive. Mm -hmm. We have very few programs that run, uh, our teams that run this program because of the intensity. And all of our volunteers are just that. They're volunteers. So we are very mindful of compassion fatigue with them. But it's an introduction. They do a, what their psychologist has written the plan with and what the activity is. How are they talking? Sometimes it's just they're sitting there and they get to pet the dog and they're talking about different aspects. Maybe they're doing play therapy and the dog's part of it. Um, again, it just depends on what's written for, from the psychologist standpoint. Right. And then our ABC program is very structured. We have... Um, measurables that we ask, that we, we judge the child on for literacy. How is their reading? Where's their comprehension? And then we work on their level and develop their level to be at a higher level or to be what, what we would hope they would be at. So they'd read books to the dogs. They get to do a rally course. So as they progress in their reading skills, and it's first through third graders. So they get to set up a course depending on their level, and it's sit, down, high five. And then as they grow their literacy skills, it's please sit, Thank you for sitting. Oh. <laughs> Things along those lines. And it builds builds up into it. And they get to interact with the dog. And it's about a 15-minute intensive activity play. Mm-hmm. 
not going to lie, our reading program, all of our dogs tend to take small naps. <laughs> it's calm. It's quiet. They get to lay on the kid. Yeah. Um, and we've one of our favorite things is we had a, a second grader, a little girl who um, the dog side put his head in her lap and she got a little, little flustered. Yeah. And so she flipped his ear and tapped him on the shoulder and said, hey, Hank, you have to listen to me. I need your eyes. <laughs> and when the, the owner prompted, well, why do you need his eyes? And she's like, well, I need his eyes to help me read. And you're just like, oh, okay. (laughs) The dogs make that impact and the children are able to identify it. So each program is a little bit different. Each facility is different. I wish there was what it is, but it's that intangible bond. It's that intangible moment. I wish I could say, yes, this is the exact thing that happens, but it's not. But that's what's so unique about the program and why there maybe aren't so many programs out there like it is because it is something that I'm assuming you, you know, like you said, it started with the group programs and it's grown from there. And those are just things that have over time, uh, you know, been worked into the programs and, and, and tested and shown from maybe the provider side of things um, or your partners saying, hey, these are some things that we could would really benefit our our population. And you guys just working on that and how you can fit that into the program and make it work. We always are looking at program expansions. What can we do more? We always have requests. We have a waiting list for therapy teams. Yeah. There's a school that, no joke, has at least 10 teams there. Um, We try to spread the wealth. Yeah. (laughs) But there's there's I mean, we've had schools say, can can we have a, a dog in every classroom? Um, and unfortunately we can't provide that, that needs. And then we look at what else can we provide in a program that yeah. reaches more kids. Yeah. Part of the program from, you know, our perspective, from my perspective, mm-hmm. really where it captures you and it captures me, right, is the engagement that you see with the kids and the animal, right? There's the formal lessons and then there's the informal or subconscious lessons, right? And they're getting lessons in responsibility and compassion and patience, you know, the little girl talking to Hank, right? So mm-hmm. there was a lesson in patience and understanding in that. You know, they a lot of these kids would not have this opportunity otherwise to engage with an animal. Um, so it's really bringing that ability for them to connect to them mm-hmm. because it, it doesn't necessarily exist for them. And, you know, everything from unconditional love and um, support, right? The You see the, the children have this opportunity to feel supported and feel um, like they're heard. Especially, I, I love the story with Hank. Or, the, you know, there's there's so many. The stories are the incredible part. And you right. get to meet some of the kids or see some of these um, experiences and the some of the children who have um, some behavioral challenges and whatnot. And you get to see this gentle side come out um, unprompted, mm-hmm. you know. And it's an opportunity for the kids to be um, vulnerable in ways that they may not be able to or comfortable being outside of that environment with the animal. And I imagine the part, again, of the reason this partnership outside of even maybe just the personal, you know, personal reasons for for your uh, being involvement in it, again, is because those missions, I guess, kind of mesh together mm-hmm. so well. And the way, um, Daniel, that you talk about kind of that human pet bond, I assume, is one of mm-hmm. the kind of pillars of, you know, your vet hospitals as well and how you work with your um, patients there. Absolutely. We we really see it as um, our, our, our doctors and our veterinarians, um, our responsibility as the team is to be a pet parent's partner. Right, we're their we're their trusted partner in pet healthcare. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, sometimes it's uh, making sure things are accessible. Sometimes it's simply education. Right, there's so many things in veterinary medicine and with different types of animals and whatnot that 
sure you can Google lots of things, right? <laughs> but there's there's no substitute for real world, world experience, hands-on experience, and that knowledge base of an educated professional. And we really see ourselves as your as your partners, our clients' partners in their pet health care. And we're there to make sure that there's a we respect that bond, that human-animal bond between our clients and their pets um, and help foster that. Right. So um, I guess sometimes when people hear vet hospital, they might think that it's they're just facilities if there's an emergency. Is is there ongoing care that happens at your at the vet hospitals or is it strictly for emergency services? Sure. Uh, yeah. All of our locations are um, full service clinics, right? We provide comprehensive care. So everything from routine wellness, so vaccines, um, diet and nutrition, et cetera, to preventative care, spay and neuters, Parasite preventions, so heartworm, flea and tick, those kinds of things. Um, dental, surgery. We even have some of our facilities that offer um, some advanced care. So things like stem cell therapy. Um, we offer chemotherapy. We offer acupuncture at oh, several wow. of our locations. Um, we have grooming services at 17 of our 21. Um, so it's, it's a comprehensive approach um, for the long term um, to be a good partner. Yeah. And you talked a little earlier, Blake, about um, how some of your pet therapy teams were already using some of the veterinary services. Is is that something then that you know some of those teams continue once with because of this partnership? Now maybe they're more likely to go to an AZ uh, pet vet facility. Or there are. Um, what's really interesting is a lot of them. When we started highlighting the fact that we were doing facility visits, we'd ask teams, "Hey, do you happen to go here?" Because we don't keep those right, records right why, you know why would we yeah um and what was funny is we had individuals say oh that's my butt go there <laughs> so we got to have that opportunity of they can connect and, and relate to that we've also had our therapy teams ask the staff at those locations hey would you mind coming on a visit and then those professionals get to have a conversation about what does it mean to take care of a dog a lot of kids have questions kids mm-hmm. are very um, curious about what's happening in the world around them and unfortunately sometimes a lot of these kids if they experience neglect or abuse the dogs or their their pets are experiencing the same thing. Right. Mm-hmm. So having having a, an expert come in and talk to them about the positive side of things, the fact that you can take care of them, or maybe some of, of the changing of culture ideas mm-hmm. has been a big part of it. So it's our, our pet therapy teams are as much as they do our program, they're also ambassadors in finding things. And so when we had our partnership, it just ties that part in more. Yeah. What um, For anyone who might be interested in becoming a volunteer, what are you guys, what do you look for then when you're um, looking for pet therapy teams? Is that something that they can come to you and get all that information as far as, because I'm, I'm assuming there's schooling or certification or whatever that may be that they have to go through. How do they, um, what would they learn from you by coming to you? So you have to have a willingness. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's the first big thing. Um, essentially, yes, you can come to our, our site and find more information. But um, we have two volunteer options. One that have individuals that have a dog and the other is those that maybe have a dog that isn't a good candidate or maybe they want to just volunteer. Mm-hmm. Um, so our, their pet therapy teams are our helping hands. The helping hands are, are crucial in individuals that volunteer. and We match them up with a, a therapy team. Um, therapy teams have to have, there's two parts. Um, there's the human side and then there's the animal side. <laughs> so the animal side, they have to, 
have a comprehensive check from their their, their vet to mm-hmm. say that they're in clean clean health. But we also have to have them insured through our um, third partner organizations, Alliance of Therapy Dogs or Pet Partners. And the reason why is liability insurance, but it's also a standard of behaviors. Mm-hmm. And everyone's always really concerned that their dog has to be perfect. The dog does not have to be perfect. <laughs> I promise you. It's, it's basic manners. Can they sit? Yeah. Can they be calm? Can they be touched everywhere? Because trust me, children will touch everywhere. Right. <laughs> uh, which is why we, why we are very careful in placement. But can your dog handle that? Is your yeah. dog having a willingness for it? And then from there, we do the human side, a fingerprint clearance and background check because we do work with a protected population. Yeah. And then we do extensive training on our ACT kit, so our Animal Children Together activities that focus on our core behaviors as well as are they doing ABC? So we teach them how to do ABC. Are they doing individual intervention? Let's teach them how to handle that emotional compassion drain that they'll experience. And then we maintain those relationships with our therapy teams. So it's, it's are you willing? Are you interested? And if you have a dog, do you think they'll like it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do you have some basic manners? Yeah. Then, then come join us. Um, and if you don't, we still need you because we need our helping hands. Yeah, definitely. Um, Daniel Blake mentioned kind of how the volunteers uh, are also kind of ambassadors mm-hmm. for like pet health, how to uh, care for pets, how to, you know, what that really means to be a pet owner. I know there's probably, um, regardless of population, a lot of kids out there who say, I want a dog. I want a cat. Can we get a pet? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) How important is that um, for them to maybe have this experience in this type of setting before maybe venturing out into? I think, um, it's a great question. I think that, um, you know, that first experience, that first interaction, it's all new. It's all fresh. It's all very exciting, right? Um, and the, the kids who have an opportunity for the repeat interactions and start to form that bond, I think they also get a sense of that level of responsibility, mm-hmm. right? They, they, they see the dog behave similarly with each interaction sometimes. Dogs have personalities too, right? right? And <laughs> so you actually get this repeated exposure opportunity um, that I think is incredibly valuable for for that, like I said, subconscious level of of responsibility. You know, we have we see lots of pets come in the door, and uh, you know, kids are pets are resilient, and and kids learn quick. Kids do learn quickly, but with a little bit of guidance, uh, that's really usually all it takes. Uh, also, we um, we have quite a few of our dogs that mishaps happen. They they have to get sutures. Maybe they have – we have a lot of dogs that um, – and let me start from this. A lot of our dogs can be either very pampered and very <laughs> purebreds and all that fun stuff, or they can come from rescue situations. Yeah. Um, we have dogs that are missing legs. We have dogs that are in wheelchairs. I mean, we have everything. Truly, we have just about everything. Um, so they get to see care. They get to see what it takes to have – um, why why is why is this side shaved? Mm-hmm. And kids have no discrimination on asking questions. Oh yeah, <laughs> no ask filter. You. Yeah, no, no filter. filter. No. Um, so they'll ask. Yeah. Well, why is that different? Why why is there a bandage there? Mm-hmm. Um, it's an opportunity to talk about care. It's an opportunity to talk about that repeat exposure as Daniel's talking about of what the responsibility is. Mm-hmm. And we do have quite a few vets that are in our program, and so then they get to talk. If they're older kids, they get to talk about the science and careers and opportunities. We had an opportunity where we had one of our vets bring in an ultrasound machine. Oh, wow. And they got to see the insides and explain why. Yeah. And it changed their ideas. Mm-hmm. So it's it's important and it's amazing that we can offer it. Yeah. 
Now, I know we've been talking a lot about dogs, Daniel, but other animals, are, you talked about some of your facilities actually doing more specialized care, but also what types of animals are, do you see? Amongst our network of hospitals, uh-huh. it's quite extensive, okay. which has been, it's always interesting. It's always fascinating, yeah. um, especially because we try to culminate, you know, a library of fun images or images with interesting clients and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So some of our facilities see, um, and veterinarians see uh, birds, avian, to um, pocket pets, mm-hmm. um, exotics. One of our, uh, uh, several of our doctors actually see all kinds of what what we call pocket pets. So your um, smaller Sometimes furry, sometimes not animals. Okay, um, but <laughs> snakes and turtles uh-huh. and all kinds of things. The only I think the only thing we don't see um, really is equestrian. We don't we don't treat horses mm-hmm. um, at any of our facilities. But it's it's always interesting to see um, you know some of the some of the pets that people come in with. Um, and what's amazing about it is uh, they're when you choose to ad- adopt an exotic or a pocket pet. Um, you know, it's a commitment just like it is with a cat mm-hmm. or a dog. Um, and it's amazing to see the care that that people really put into their pets. Again, that that bond. Um, we get to be a part of that. Mm-hmm. Um, Blake mentioned, you know, compassion fatigue earlier um, amongst the therapy teams. And, and uh, uh, that is something that we experience as well, right? The, the veterinary industry is, um, as a whole, experiences quite a bit of compassion fatigue because it's it's emotional. Mm-hmm. It's It's not just treating whatever that moment is, whatever that symptom is or that ailment or or whatnot, right? There's there's that additional piece of yourself and of, that our teams, our vet techs, from the moment they walk in the door, our, our customer service representatives, our, um, our vet techs, our kennel assistants, you know, and our veterinarians, they're all giving a piece of them emotionally in that moment to foster that bond. So, you know, compassion fatigue is something that we talk about um, as well and making sure that we... We keep that in mind for our team members and uh, clients as a whole. Mm-hmm. Speaking of um, just fatigue in general, how often do the pet therapy teams um, visit the different facilities? Generally, it's it's every other week. Okay. Um, our ABC program and the individual intervention is every week. Um, so those are pretty intensive mm-hmm. and we are very mindful of that. Yeah. A lot of our teams take breaks during the summer because... The school year, right? For the most part, but we do have teams that visit in the summer. Um, some teams will do a, they'll visit the little itty bitties for a season or two, and then they're like, you know what? Let's do the older kids because it's a different uh, experience, a different pull. Um, and sometimes the older kids are too much, and they go to the little bitties because they just want to hug and love and, and those things. <laughs> what um, and we again going going back to. The, the different types of pets. Do you have other types of pet therapy teams or just dogs? We're open to other types okay. of pet therapy teams. We do have a couple mini horses in our program. Okay. Um, we had a cat and okay. we had a bunny. Yeah. Um, but they've since retired. I was going to say, did they flunk out? Or no, they, okay. they, just, they just retired. Um, we, we are open to it. Yeah. You just have to be insured. And a lot of times most people are like, I can do that. Yeah. I can do that with my bird or mm-hmm. I can do that with my bunny. Right. It does take a special... Special cat to put on a harness and be right. petted. Yes. Um, but they're, but they're, yeah. Yeah, very much so. <laughs> That's why we've only had one. Yeah. Um, but we're open to it. Yeah. Our, our, our licensing doesn't say it's only dogs. Right. It's, and that's why we say pet therapy, because mm-hmm. it can be just about anything within the animals, because there's that human animal bond. So, right. Dogs are the most easy, are the easiest. Right. 
the easiest to train, the most accessible. Mm-hmm. Um, but for those that are in the animal training community, you can train just about anything. Right. And how you ask it. Yeah. <laughs> I want a trained I want a trained bunny. <laughs> right. They're very smart. Yeah. Especially giant Flemish. They're amazing. They're like 40 pounds. Oh this my huge gosh. bunny. Um, they're like little dogs. Oh. <laughs> At 40 pounds, it's not. At little. 40 pounds. <laughs> True. <laughs> <laughs> they're just contained, you know? Fair <laughs> point. Fair compact. Point. <laughs> yes. And very fluffy. They come back. Oh my gosh. Um, so uh Daniel, I wanted to kind of go back to some of the other things that kind of sets your um, your vet hospitals apart from um, what other kinds of special outside of I know you do a lot in the community and outside of your partnership with Gabriel's Angels. What are some other things that are really kind of unique about uh, maybe some of the either the services that you provide mm-hmm. or ways that you kind of help facilitate that? that mm-hmm. bond with them. Yeah. You know, um, absolutely. One of, one of the areas that we focus on, or, uh, you know, I, I definitely like to talk about is what I consider our commitment to our clients and our commitment to our community. Mm-hmm. And in this case, our commitment to our clients um, was um, started all the way back when ERA opened 35 years ago. Um, you know, and as the years have rolled on, we continue to find ways um, to make sure that our clients are able to have you know, quality care that's accessible um, and and work out programs and opportunities to make those things become a reality. For example, early, early on um, in the organization, um, we were, we are one of the only facilities to be open seven days a week. So 19 of our 21 are open seven days a week mm-hmm. right now. Um, we wanted to make sure we were accessible. Yeah. We have extended hours. Most of our locations are open until um, 6 p.m., 7 p.m., and like I said, and open Saturdays and Sundays. So accessibility um, to make sure that our clients and their pets could receive the care they need when they need. Mm-hmm. Um, we have programs um, like our free vaccines for life program. Mm-hmm. So it's a it's a really amazing program. Um, it's great for pets one to five, six years old. Um, it, it's an enrollment fee. Every year when you bring them in for their preventative care exam, right, you come in for your annual checkup like you do in human medicine, mm-hmm. um, any core vaccinations that they need and are due for are included. So they're free for the remainder of the life of that pet. Um, and it's, you know, designed to help you, our clients financially, um, but also to help keep that reminder of wellness, right? right? Mm-hmm. You know, that we, we push wellness exams and preventative care exams for human medicine. Um, and we want to make sure that that your pet isn't taken out of that mix because right. it's just as important. You know, and I, I think our biggest differentiator, to be honest with you, is our, our payment plans. We implemented uh, an in-house payment plan program. They're interest-free. They don't require a credit check. Um, you know, each plan's slightly different based on the level of treatment, the level of services and whatnot. But we created these, and especially because they're in-house, we created them to, again, allow accessibility right away. Yeah. Um, you know, you don't have to wait to get the care that your pet needs. Mm-hmm. How can we be a good partner? Or How make can that, we... have to make that choice between... Correct. Correct. You know, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, and it really gives people, you know, there's still options, right? There's always oh, yeah. options and there's always um, alternatives, but this was a way we could absolutely be your partner. Yeah. And um, I'm super proud and I know the team and our ownership, our partnership is super proud of that particular offering because we see that it makes a difference. We see that it gives clients the ability to make an impact for their pet 
you know, and it's fostering that bond, mm-hmm. you know, allows them to do the best that they can and the best that they want to and give and give their their pets the the quality of life they deserve. I love how that theme of partnering has kind of come up in so many different aspects um, today. And especially just now when you talked about, you know, having that partnership between, you know, the the veterinarian and mm-hmm. the and the family. But then also talking about, you know, partnerships in the community. So with Gabriel's Angels, as you mentioned, you don't just have a um, a partnership with, say, the different um, facilities that you go to, but you've got a partnership with, the, you know, your pet therapy teams as well. Because as you mentioned, they're volunteers. They don't have to be there. Yep. <laughs> they can decide this isn't for me and and move on. But you have, what'd you say, 120? We have 122 partner 122, agencies. Oh, yeah. agencies. But how many pet therapy? One, 190. 190. And that's know? throughout the state. Right. Well, the what is the old saying is that it takes a village to raise a child. Mm-hmm. Well, it takes, takes a village, a community to, right. to make an impact. Yeah. And you always forget all the little pieces that's connected to it until you're in the middle of it and you remember, oh, right. I need that aspect in there. Right. So then I guess maybe my next question then is talking about um, that partnership um, on whatever level that may be. What do you find, I guess, and you could even start with uh, maybe the partnership between Gabriel's Angels and AZ Pet um, Bet, what that partnership has kind of evolved to over the years, because you talked about kind of the how that that came about. But what would you say for anyone else out there, if they're, say, a nonprofit out there and they're thinking like, oh, we, we know we need a community partner and we just don't know where to start. And then on the business side of things, there's lots of businesses that say, you know, we have a lot to give back as well. Mm-hmm. And we really want it to be more than just maybe writing a check or sponsoring a golf tournament. We want that to be more of a partnership. So maybe each of you could kind of speak to what you feel it might be a good tip or piece of advice for anyone who's looking for how to get that partnership off the ground. Mm-hmm. Do you want to start from the business side? Sure. Um, you know, so that, that that leans into, you know, what I call our commitment commitment to our community, mm-hmm. right? Um, and with our, our hospitals, all 21 of our hospitals are independently owned. So we have a, a you know, our partnership for AZ Pepet is um, all the way down at that individual hospital location level. Um, and our hospitals um, are encouraged to participate and they drive community events, right? We participate in our backyard. Mm -hmm. Each of our hospitals um, makes a conscious effort to get involved, um, whether it's a neighborhood community or it's a passion place or a charity passion place of or nonprofit passion place of um, that particular um, hospital's partnership kind of thing. So on the individual local level, we're very much um, looking to be a part of of that. At, At the group level, um, as a power of the collective whole, <laughs> if you will, um, you know we partner with a few different organizations. But to your point, um, the ability to provide financial assistance is something that is always graciously accepted, um, you know, by nonprofit partners. But as a business, um, I encourage people to not forget the power of in-kind giving. It's incredible in many, many ways. Mm-hmm. Um, there's direct in kind. So with one of our partnerships with um, uh, with Love Pup, we have a partnership with that organization. Our give is in kind and it is helping these um, animals who are looking for their forever home, um, making sure that they have the medical care and their needs assessed and addressed prior to placement, right? So that is an in-kind give by our, um, our AZ Pivot 
brand family as a whole. And, I, you know, I consider that a sort of a direct in-kind, but there's even indirect, right? So mm-hmm. think of a fundraiser. You know, you may be a florist and own your own business. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, one of the things that there's an opportunity there for giving back. Uh, maybe you're a nonprofit is having a gala event. You know, you have the ability to maybe donate the centerpieces, which are then auctioned off, right? So even if it's not what you, your business would consider a direct give, um, those in-kind opportunities are absolutely ways to make a huge impact. Mm-hmm. And Blake was had big, big head nods going yes. on over on Blake's <laughs> side when you were talking about the like in-kind snaps. donations. <laughs> yeah. Just a, can't do that on the radio. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so from a nonprofit side, it's you have to have a good development staff mm-hmm. of of knowing you have to have conversations. You have to be open to ask. And a lot of um a lot of nonprofits that I've noticed go straight for the like, we need the financial aspect to pay for it. But offer a menu for your community. Offer here's all of our needs or make a list of of five, your top five. And go to your partner, go to your community, go to people that it's a warm introduction. So, hey, my dog has this vet. Can we have a conversation to, hey, what, this is who we are. This is what we stand for. What, here's some ways that we need help with. And sometimes, and most often what we've noticed is that some people will pick one thing and say, okay, there you go. Like the in-kind that Daniel was mentioning, which is a huge aspect of nonprofit work. But it's also, most people will say, you know what? None of these quite fit, but could we have a conversation about this? Mm-hmm. Both opportunities can can be developed. You just have to have an openness, and right. you gotta have some courage. Uh, <laughs> you gotta have a lot of courage. You, you have to ask. You're gonna get a hundred no's, but you may get two yeses, mm-hmm. and then those two yeses will build build into more. Um, and I think from a nonprofit standpoint, it's also how do you manage that relationship? The the ask, the thank you afterwards. Mm-hmm. I think we always forget the thank you afterwards because we're just like, we're so grateful that we have it that we can move forward with right. it. And we need to be able to say thank Or it's you. a singular thank you. Yes. It's the, the, oh, thank you so much. And then you don't Crickets. Like hear from them ever again, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and that's hard yeah. because usually most of these nonprofits are at capacity. Right. They're overworked. Right. They're wearing many, many, many hats. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's really making sure that you're mindful of that. Because yeah. someone may say no now, but in a couple of years down the road, they may have now the opportunity to go back and say, hey, you made an impact on us. Maybe we can do something now because we have the opportunity to. Right. And I think that's, I actually think that's a fair statement going both ways. Um, you know, sort of the way you said that, Blake, right? That the, the nonprofit is at their at their capacity in many ways and in, in many opportunities, right? So as a business, right, as a, as a benefactor, contributor, and however that is, it's important that we also stay mindful of that as well, right? Mm-hmm. That, that appreciate the thank you that is there and understand that, the job is continuing. Mm-hmm. the The role is continuing. The need is continuing. It's an ongoing effort, um, you know. And so there's this amazing opportunity for for mutual give, mutual respect. Um, you know, back to that sort of in kind giving for a minute. Um, it's not just you know it, in services is important, but it's also in time. Mm-hmm. You know, time is incredibly valuable, and connection, right? So word of mouth, while your business may not be exactly the right one or in a position to partner. If it's something that even you are passionate about as a business owner, talk to your business community about it. Exactly. Yep. Even if you're not in a position to give, you never know where the spark is going to be. Mm-hmm. So that for me is is probably one of the things that um, you know I find incredibly valuable is 
taking that opportunity for the relationships that are strong. And even when your partnerships change, right? Every partnership ebbs and flows in different ways based on everything from business structure to demand to staffing changes to whatnot, right? So partnerships change, but it's the communication and conversation about the change and the continuation of finding ways to work together and bring other people into the fold um, with the same passions. Right. As you were saying that, I think probably one of the um, best examples I heard of, you know, being that business that and that from the nonprofit's perspective, looking at the business and saying maybe this isn't, oh, they didn't give us money or, oh, they don't have the time, but still continuing that relationship with them. And one of the, I guess, best examples I can think of is um, a few months back I had in the studio, uh, Read Better, Be Better and Paracore. And Paracore is a, they, a digital marketing agency. Um, they specialize in pay-per-click. And uh, he mentioned that one day he was at his accountant's office and had said, oh, yeah, we're, you know, uh, going over, I guess, some tax forms and said, oh, yeah, we um, we donated to Read Better, Be Better. Um, it, you know, it's, it's part of the tax credit. And she says, oh, yeah, yeah, okay. And then she goes, well, tell me a little bit more about them. So he tells them all about how they got involved with um, Read Better, Be Better, and his staff volunteered and what exactly they do and this and that. Okay, great. Thanks so much. Leaves the office, doesn't hear anything else more about it. Well, a couple months later, all of a sudden, Sophie over at Read Better, Be Better starts seeing money showing up in their account. And they're like, what's going on here? And they were um, tax credit. And she knew they were from the tax credit because they were in the amounts of like three and six hundred dollars or whatever. So she knew that's where they were coming from. But she's like, I'm not doing Mm -hmm. anything to do this. It turned out that the accountant gets a lot of businesses that come through and she says to them, well, do you have a charity you can give to for the tax credit? It'll help offset this and that. Then they don't. And so she just started recommending, well, I heard about this read better, be better. And next thing you know, <laughs> isn't that incredible? Yeah, That's exactly it's it. It's exactly that it right there. Yes. And so it's not necessarily that, you know, she sat down and said, okay, now when you go out and talk to people, can you tell them about read better, be better and help spread the word? And he said, okay, I'm going to do that. And I'm going to, you know, it just, it happened organically. And that's just what happens when you have a, um, a nonprofit or a project, whatever it may be, when you have something that you know, just really resonates and connects with other people, mm-hmm. they naturally want to spread the word about it and tell people about it. They so. find that passion. Mm-hmm. You know, they find the opportunity to give back. And mm-hmm. that was such a simple way, right? That simple connection point turned into something very significant. You know, Blake mentioned earlier um, what we what we had referred to as sort of the world tour, if you will. Um, <laughs> she, it was. It was. How it, many days did this it, go over, by the way? Two months. <laughs> oh, okay. I thought you were going to say two days. No, and I was like, oh, it, it took a while. It took a while. <laughs> two months and a lot of cookies. Yeah, right, right. But, you know, the the... Gabriel's, um, Mm -hmm. Blake and and team, invested in the partnership on their end by taking the time to visit all 21 of our facilities, sort of during a sort of lunch and learn kind of opportunity with all of our staff. We've got over 100 doctors and 600 support staff across the valley, right? And primarily, um, you know, our team knew about the relationship with Gabriel's, right? But it was an organizational relationship from AZ Petbet, bringing that to the forefront for Mm -hmm. all of our troops on the ground, right? For all of our team members, here's your opportunity to ask questions, engage, be inspired, uh, be engaged with Gabriel's, right? And then that conversation goes home because a lot of those people have a lot of the, you know, team members, right? You've got your boyfriend, girlfriend, spouse, whatnot, family members, parents. You talk about those things because it was a positive impact in your day. 
So those simple conversations mm-hmm. then turned around exactly to your point. And you went home, you talked about it with your spouse and your spouse is like, oh, well, you know, we're, our company is currently looking for a nonprofit to partner with and this is what we do, right? right. So it's that simple, that kind of giving back, never discount your ability as a business owner, even a small one-person operation. You should never discount your ability to make an impact simply through your connections and talking with your champions. Right. And, you know, as you were kind of alluding to also is it the partnership doesn't have to be a lot of work. You know, it can be something as simple as, you know, making sure that um, you're sharing that message and maybe even making it easy, you know, for your partners or the businesses you're working with to share that message. Um, A lot of you know, times I you will say to people, you know, just something as simple as sharing um, a graphic and saying, hey, could you maybe share this uh, when you're talking about us on social media or in your next company newsletter? Can you put this out there? Um, just making it, it, you know, making it a little bit easier for that um, information to be shared. Uh, but a lot of times, like you said, it's really just a matter of, you know, telling that story. Like you uh, but talked about a little bit while ago, Blake, that courage. Yep. <laughs> um, it does not necessarily always have to be an ask. It just means telling telling that story. Um, and you may be telling it over and over and over again. I was actually listening in on a virtual conference this morning and somebody said, how can we make sure that we don't tell the story so much that our audience feels is redundant? And the speaker on the other end said, the only person who's sick of hearing it is going to be you. Nobody else is really paying that mm-hmm. much attention to you. <laughs> yeah. you <know? laughs> About so unless you have a thousand people all collectively saying, shut up, we don't want to hear that anymore, then you're probably good to go with sharing that, continuing to share that message mm-hmm. and share that story with people because you just never know who's ears it's going to land in. Absolutely. And this connection point, you know, this, this experience right now, I'm going to take and go talk to the tax accountant. Yeah, because that, I was like, "Oh, that's brilliant!" Yeah, I know. I'm go talk to the tax accountant. Hey, can you make some recommendations? You know, right. during give tax time and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Gabriel's, you know, is uh, a qualified charity. Right. So, right. yeah, I love that. See, this connection point open that door right there. Yeah, see that. And it's perception too. So mm-hmm. when you talk about talking about your message, you'll have your same message, your your mission statement, um, or your your origin story, but. Each opportunity and experience is different. Everyone mm-hmm. takes different parts of that away. Right. So, you know, I, I could think of hundreds of stories that we could talk about a child or the same instance of a child reading to a dog, but each time it's different. It could be because you were that child or if you know, like, oh, man, like I grew up with dyslexia. Mm-hmm. So having, you know, oh, that'd be nice to have a dog's eyes. Like, yes, I can totally <laughs> get over that. It, it brings something different to each person. And mm-hmm. you, you never, you never, never know. So it's, it's a common saying in our office. You never, never know. Because right. we could be doing the same thing, but it's about what else is happening around us. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, we are kind of winding things down here, but I did want to make sure I gave you both an opportunity to talk a little bit about um, if listeners are listening to this right now, whether it's live or the recorded podcast afterwards, uh, and they want to reach out if they want to, say, become involved with Gabriel's Angels as a volunteer or just want to know more about it, where would they, what would be the best way to... um, to go about doing that. And then also, do you have any special events or anything coming up that people need to know about? Yeah. So the best way to get a hold of us is go to our website mm-hmm. or go to our any of our social media where you can find us at Gabriel's Angels. We're pretty easy 
tagline because um, it's all across the board as Gabriel's Angels. The other thing is we have a couple events coming up. So you may have seen us. Um, if you are a baseball fan, um, you can meet some of the Gabriel's Angels teams at uh, a few Sunday games with Arizona Diamondbacks. Um, we have a community partnership with them to highlight, to get to know about the uh, opportunities. So if you want to have some fun, that's a good way to do it. But we also have a, a wine gala happening in October. Um, and we have one in Tucson as well. So October 5th, <laughs> we're going to have it at the Omni Mona Lucia. It's called Saloon, Endless Possibilities. Um, and it wasn't, I didn't misspell it or say it wrong. It's <laughs> possibilities. Um we think we're clever. Uh, or we try to be. <laughs> well, at first I was like, what does saloon have to do with dogs? And right. then you said the possibilities. Like, oh, I got it there. And the saloon is because there's wine. There's lots and lots of wine. Um, it's a wonderful event. It's fun. It's engaging. We, we really focus on, on having a, a good time mm-hmm. and raising funds for our mission. Um, we also have the one in Tucson. It's on October 18th. It is a tasting event, so it's more of an open carnival theme this year, which is a little different than we've done in the past. We're pretty excited about that. But both, again, are are focusing on what our mission does. So if you're interested in going out, tickets are not online yet. It'll be August before they're up. But if you're interested, definitely stay tuned to our, our social media sites. Yeah, perfect. All right. And then, Daniel, people want to reach out and learn more about AZ Pet Vet. Um, What should they do? Best way to reach us uh, is azpetvet.com or through our Facebook. Um, We do have an Instagram, but uh, keep that fun and and, uh, colorful. Right. But uh, (laughs) Direct Connect is through the website. You can find your nearest location right on the homepage of our website um, or reach out through Facebook. Great. Well, thank you both so much for being here and all of your words of wisdom um, and tips and, uh, you know, just a wealth of information. Like I said, it was partnership ran through and through that conversation. So it was really great to kind of hear your both your perspectives on that and what became of that. So thank you both so much um, for being in the studio today. Thank you for having us. Yeah, Yeah, thank you. Uh, You've been listening to 3C Amplified, where we share how others are connecting, creating, and collaborating to amplify their impact. And we hope we've inspired you to do the same in your community. Until next time, I'm Jacqueline Destrumps with Another Hand Advantage. Let me help create a digital marketing strategy to put your organization's mission in front of your target audience and highlight the impact you're having in your community. Visit anotherhandadvantage.com to learn more and connect. (laughs) 